Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Welcome back. This is Sarah Larby. You are listening to Where Should I Invest? And today's guest is Adriana Ostapenko, who's an experienced real estate investor and owner of Ace Properties, an asset management company specializing in value-added multifamily projects in the New Brunswick markets with a portfolio of over 130 units in St. John and Moncton. We have a great conversation. Stay tuned for that. And by the way, if you haven't come out to our events and you are local to the Burlington area, we have Investors and Entrepreneurs of Canada, a monthly event at Hagerty's. It's a really cool social garage has a restaurant, it has a, a bunch of cars. It's like a car club for car fanatics, but we use it as event space and I am a member there. So if you are interested in attending, check out midtermrentalproperties.com. Go to the events section and we have different topics. Some of it, of it is just networking, which we do with a really cool networking event. It's like speed networking and sometimes it's content and education. So check that out. Separately, if you are interested, I am adding two more VIP students. If you are interested in shadowing me, some of my projects, what I do, and getting some one-on-one -on -one calls and insights and um, anything that you need to scale your portfolio or to start your real estate investment journey, I will be adding two spots. So send me an email, sarah at sarahlarby.com if you are interested, and we can definitely chat and see if it's a good fit for you. On that note, enjoy the podcast. Adriana, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing really good. It's really nice to be here. How are you? Good, good. Before we started recording, we were we were talking about your amazing daughter that actually spoke at a real estate conference. We'll get into that shortly. But first, I want to say congratulations because a lot of parents want their kids to to be excited about real estate, and you know that's really cool. But tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll we'll talk about how to get your kids involved in real estate. Yeah, of course. So I've been in real estate for about since 2016 now. Time has been flying by. I own Ace Properties. We're an asset management company. We're specialized in value add multifamily projects. Really heavily specialized in New Brunswick and some market. We have properties in St. John and Moncton. We're about 130 units now. And we have a development. I'm actually doing out my first multifamily development. We're applying to uh, build a six unit purpose-built apartment building. So very exciting. Uh, I have two kids, Amy, who you just talked about. She's 10 years old. And my son, Alice, is eight. Been married for about 15 years. Lots of ups and downs. We own three businesses together, my husband and I. We have a construction company, specializes in interior renovation, like end user in the West End of the GTA. I have a virtual agency. That's my like staffing systems is building company that we provide services for myself first of all i need all the help and then we offer those services to other real estate investors and real estate professionals and then ace properties so we keep in busy and exciting always nice no now so do you do this full-time real estate investing in the companies or do you also have a full-time job no i've been full-time since covid okay all right so 2020 so let's talk about that because i mean like like me, you left, you know, when people had a lot of question marks, they weren't really sure where things were going. You know, I was doing it for seven years prior to, to leaving and, and realized it was the right time. But, you know, why, why did you leave throughout the pandemic or during COVID? 
So I got laid off. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't optional, but it, I, I think it was a, the kick in the pants that I needed. Up until then, I was doing real estate with all my other time that I wasn't at work. And we it took us about four and a half years to get to about 20 units. We were doing burrs, like full-on six to seven months renovations, fourplexes, triplexes in the Hamilton area for the first four and a half years. And they were fantastic. Market was going up like crazy. Mm-hmm. So we had a lot of uh, success in what we were doing back then. But I got to the point where I'm like, okay, how do I scale from here? It took me this long. And I was so involved in every part of the process from acquisition, raising the capital, project managing, construction management, property management. I just was doing it all. Didn't really have a team. Didn't really have systems. Like, I, I don't know how to scale. I'm tapped out. When COVID hit and I got laid off, I'm like, something's got to change. I don't know what it is yet, but I know that for me to achieve different results, I'm going to have to start doing different things and thinking differently about the business. So I just went on this like search process of like, okay, what is it? I was laid off. I had this time in my hands. I'm like, okay, let me go. Like I joined a mastermind. I hired a personal coach. And then a few months later, I hired a multi-family coach. I was just trying to figure out, okay, what's next? What is my goal here? What are my dreams? How do I get there? And that's when I switched over to multifamily. And very hard to look back now. I really enjoy the multifamily space. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the more, you know, the rates are and continue to to stay high, multifamily makes more sense than than singles or, you know, just a, a duplex as an example. So why the switch from, are you still in Ontario or are you strictly now in New Brunswick? I haven't purchased anything in Ontario uh, in two years. Uh, It's just also hard to look back. Uh, We have really, we have proof of concept out in New Brunswick. We're really bullish about the market there right now. We're looking to continue to scale. We've completed several projects and we've been able to, you know, pay everybody back every time and experience the growth we wanted to. The purchase price per rent ratio is very good. Um, Caps. Cap rates are good and it's very landlord friendly. They are continuing to implement regulations there, but it is a far away from where Ontario is now. I still have my a small portfolio here in Ontario that we're keeping, um, but I'm really interested in uh, continuing to purchase over there. Okay. Now you mentioned we as you're scaling and, and you're paying them back. Is this joint venture partners or these money partners? Like you obviously went from you know, a few properties to many more doors, you know, what was that process like? Yeah. So uh, our model with the multifamily side is we bring in equity partners. So 95% of our partnerships are with equity partners. Uh, We've used a couple of different structures from the shareholder corporate structure where investors come in with us as shareholders on the building, on the company. Uh, We've also haven't used a GPLP structure for larger deals. Uh, just, just due to the volume of investors we were bringing into uh, the transaction. And so they, they partner with us. We do value add. So usually we're able to pay their original investment back within 12 to 24 months that they stay on with us for the next five years uh, as, you know, investors in the building. And uh, that's just been working out. Okay. Really Very awesome. cool. Very cool. So you mentioned GPLP structure. And I think a lot of people are familiar with joint ventures. They're probably familiar with, you know, like shareholders and, and different things like that. But, you know, a GPLP structure, how do you set that up? 
how much does it cost and why when you set that up versus a typical JV? Yeah, so I'd only ever done a JV on my very first deal and then never did one again. And we've been using shareholder corporate structure as like the next best or easiest structure that I can find. When we had this deal on the contract, we were hoping to do a GPLP, found out really quickly that the issue we ran into is for a lender. They will only accept usually up to a max of seven to eight investors or shareholders in one building. We have 17 on this one. That's just because, again, the, the type of raise we were doing for this project, we quickly realized shareholders wasn't an option. We went exploring to what is the next best option and GPLP was it. There's a lot of benefits for the investors on a GPLP structure. It's a general limited partnership structure. It's limited partnership to the investors because they're only liable for whatever amount they invest into our deal while the GP or the general partners, myself and my business partner, Ben, on the managing side are liable for the full debt. So to them, there's benefits there. It also has a tax benefit because it is a flow through. Everything that the company earns is, is distributed to everybody else and everybody pays individual taxes based on their income as opposed to the company pays taxes and then we share and then we pay tax again. So there's a, tax, a couple of benefits there. In terms of cost, it was complicated to set it up. I'm told that as you continue to do them, they get easier because you already have a model built. I it's yet to be seen if that's the case, but it was quite complicated. It took a couple months. I'd say about four months to get it set up. In terms of the cost, significant cost as well. I think we were in for about $45,000 to get it set up and going. That's between accountants, lawyers, lenders, and everybody that's involved um, in getting everything going with the GPLP. Definitely a lot more than a simple JV agreement or, or corporate shareholder type of deal. What was the size of the project? Because you, you mentioned, what, 15, 17 investors, was it? Yeah, so the, it was a purchase flip improvements project. So we, the, we closed on the portfolio for at $4.25 million. It was a 50 units uh, portfolio. And the whole project that we did raise up front for the renovations as well. We got a purchase flip improvements mortgage from RBC. So we had to raise 25% of the construction costs. Uh, up front, and they've been giving us the, the draws since the um, construction draws since then. Overall, the raise was $2.6 million for that project. And did you have people coming in like at a minimum of like X amount? Like, what was like, would it be like 50 grand as a minimum? Were you taking RSPs, tax free savings accounts? So maybe share with us like, you know, how you raised that money and then like, what kind of funds you were accepting. Yeah, so we always have a minimum of $100,000 for any of our projects. We did have a, a number of investors that came in at $200,000, which was raised. Unfortunately, I can only raise cash at this point. The only way to do registered funds would be through a fund, which we don't have just yet. So everything has to be cash. But yeah, that was kind of what, what we were able to pull together. Everybody came in at a minimum of $100,000. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hi, I'm Dahlia Barsoom, founder of Streetwise Mortgages and Streetwise Wealth. As we enter 2024, I wanted to provide some guidance to real estate investors like yourself on navigating the year ahead. There is no question that 2023 brought intensifying headwinds with rising mortgage rates and declining home prices and sales activity. 
Many buyers retreated, while some overleveraged investors faced tough decisions about their portfolios. However, as we turn to 2024, the forecast suggests replenished buyer demand on the horizon thanks to improving affordability, expectations of falling mortgage rates in the latter half of 2024, and hopes of a broader economic rebound. This sets the stage for stabilization and renewed growth across many Canadian housing markets over the coming year. As a savvy investor, you are now ideally positioned to capitalize on these shifting dynamics. As prices stabilize in the first half of 2024, those with readily available financing can scoop up discounted properties. Existing portfolio holders may then be able to unlock value as well through strategic refinancing once rates begin falling later in 2024. Conditions in early 2024, however, could remain volatile, and it's vital that you stay closely connected with your mortgage advisor to capitalize on the best opportunities given your unique situation. The most successful investors will rely on expert guidance to strategically adapt as the recovery gains steam. We have exciting developments in store for 2024 that will empower investors like yourself like never before. This includes expanding our private lending services, which will unlock new property financing sources while also creating attractive fixed income options for lenders. 2024 has the makings of a year full of potential rewards for proactive real estate investors like yourself. As your trusted partner, I am eager to help you realize the plentiful opportunities that lie ahead. If you would like to see how to benefit from the 2024 interest rate forecast and create a strategic plan tailored to maximize your gains from the unique market opportunities 2024 will present, go ahead and book a complimentary planning session with one of our team members. We can assess your current portfolio and goals, model out rate scenario impacts, and develop a customized action plan to help you adapt and thrive as dynamic shifts occur. By planning ahead, you can capitalize on the discounted properties, identify the best refinancing window for yourself, and much more that we can reveal through the planning session. You may book your session at info at streetwisemortgages.com. As we enter 2024, I wish you peace, prosperity, and abundance in the new year. And here is to renewal, energy, and a wonderful year ahead. And now back to the show. Okay. All right. That's, that's awesome. So, you know, moving forward, how are you structuring your future deals? Because 45 grand, I mean, that's a lot upfront, depending on this deal size and how that all plays out. Granted, there are pros and cons, but, you know, definitely it is very costly, you know, moving forward. What, what does that look like from a, you know, setup standpoint for you guys? Yeah. So here's what I realized. We really have, like, as of right now, we continue to explore and do three kinds of deals. So we have uh, a few deals that we do that's just between my business partner and I, uh, we're able to do this is smaller buildings, five, six, seven units that we're able to burr all together. So we do use, you know, private funds for construction and purchase uh, because we're able to pay back and we're solid with what's going to happen there. And then we keep it 100% ours. We have the next level, which is buildings you know, all the way up to a certain amount of raise. If I, if, if the raise is anywhere between around a million to a million and five, we can probably stay with a shareholder 
which is what I will prefer and I will pursue instead of an LPJP. Anything above that on the race size, then we don't have much of an option. Most likely we're going to end up with a GPLP. So we do pursue all three. Like we have a, we're looking at a seven unit portfolio right now. We have a third unit portfolio and a six unit portfolio under contract. So we do pursue all different types of deals, but that's pretty much what we end up with uh, every day. Yeah, that's awesome. So now these are, I'm guessing, all uh, out east. All yeah. Out east. So what, you know, what about out east? I mean, obviously the, you know, the pricing is much less, I guess, than here in Ontario. But what are some other benefits that you found investing out east that you don't have in other, let's just call it Ontario as an example? Yeah, there's quite a few things, actually. I do like smaller towns. I know some people stay away with it on the opposites. There's much less competition. We're able to grow much faster, build reputation much faster, take a, a larger share of the markets in a very quick period of time. We get really, we got really well known. People know who we are. They know they, it's just, again, small town. We're talking St. John is about 65,000 population. Everybody knows our buildings. They know who bought it. Once there is a new portfolio, they know who is buying in the area. They're able to reach out to us. We're able to get off market deals much easier. We've been able to build out price of labor is much more uh, accessible out there. We're able to build a team much easier. There's really high demand for labor and work that we can get there. Uh, vacancy rates are very low. Uh, immigration there has been insane. Domestic and international, they have a really incredible uh, immigration pilot program that they've had for three years now. Uh, and that's where you are able to get your permanent residency fairly fast by applying through New Brunswick. This is how I first heard about New Brunswick. A uh, Brazilian friend of mine called me and said they were moving to Moncton. I said, Moncton? <laughs> they live in Sardinia right now. Like, what would you do in Moncton? Like, that makes no sense to me. She said, well, like, in Ontario, I need to do a two-year college and then get a job in my industry to apply for my permanent residency with this program. They immigrated from Brazil with into city in Brunswick. If you get a job, and like it has to be a specific type of job, but once you get it, within three months you can apply. She's like, we're going. There's a bunch of us going. Quality of living there is just much more accessible. You can buy a house. We can. We still buy duplexes there for hundred fifty thousand dollars. Like it's still accessible to a lot of people, uh, especially immigrants who are coming to Canada, hoping for a better life. They move to Ontario and they're tight. They can't get rentals. They can't get, like, they can buy into the market. It's much harder to make a living here and it's not quite what they expected. They go out to New Brunswick and they can actually have a good quality of life. They can rent, they can buy, they can work. They just have way more accessible and probably what they were expecting when they first immigrated here. Yeah, I mean, I, I think every market has its pros and cons and every market has strategies that work better, even from an investor standpoint than others. What about like Ontario? So let's just flip it over, because I think there's still lots of great opportunity in Ontario and reasons why, which are different, maybe same thing in other, you know, other regions and whatnot. But what do you like about Ontario? It sounds like you're still keeping, you know, a few properties as well. Like what, you know, what do you like about that market? Yeah, so I haven't really put an offer or really looked very closely at anything in Ontario for a while, but I would look at development here. I think that there's a sweet spot for developments versus there. Land is very cheap in St. John. Here, I think the value would be quite significant. 
In terms of our rentals, we have smaller, our smaller portfolios here, fourplexes, triplexes, they're not doing that great right now in this current market with the interest rates where they are and the inability or, or unable to increase rents as we should to be able to support things. So I would, I do have property in Chatham and I quite like that market. Again, going back to the smaller type of markets, I would definitely purchase more there. I'm not sure that I would purchase a tenanted building though. <laughs> That's just. Yeah. You know what? And I, pro- I, I may. I haven't. I always like the vacant stuff that's gone through like hard times, like fires and like they have nothing because yes, 100%. I will tell you there are some pros and cons to being in a place like Ontario, like there's pros and cons to being in a place like Alberta and so forth. I think the upside in terms of like appreciation over many years, I still think Ontario is likely going to lead the way. I'm just going to guess again, I don't have a crystal ball and I think the market rents are going to increase quite drastically still. So there's, you know, there's pros and cons. Chatham seems like a great opportunity as well, you know. And then again, like I I think a lot of people listening to these podcasts are like, oh, what about this? No shiny penny syndrome. Learn and, you know, and and take action on something, whether it's Ontario, whether it's New Brunswick, whether it's Alberta, et cetera. There's good opportunity in many different things. From a pivoting standpoint, I mean, obviously the rates right now are at an all-time high. And we don't really know what, you know, exactly the outcome of the next, I would say, 12 to, to 24 months. It'll be some, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of turbulence. What are some of the things that you're doing, pivoting your strategy, portfolio, or anything that you can share with the audience? Yeah, so there's quite a few things. One is on the smaller portfolio that we've had, I had to sit down and like really take a close look at the numbers and see how can I make sure that this stays in a positive place, my the mortgage on our fireplace just doubled in the last little bit. Obviously, rents have not doubled. We have long-term tenants there. Long-term is in like two years, so it's not that long, but still uh, where the rents could be now and there's not much room to, you know, increase there unless there's a turnover. So we're looking at anything that we can do. We had a shed, an outside shed. I was just been using for like leftover material, like let's rent that. There was an extra spot in the back. We're going to put a parking there. We're going to rent it to one of the tenants. So how can we increase income here? How can we lower expenses? We we took a look at all of our insurances and got second quotes and everything. People don't realize that you can negotiate insurance down. Just negotiated a huge insurance decrease in one of our buildings just by asking. Listen, this is where we were. This is what it's now. This is what this company is offering. Can you do something for us? And they did Good. And they brought us back on pretty much to what we were paying last year. So take a close look at your numbers, increase income, lower expenses wherever you can, see what you can defer and adjust. Because my goal is to keep them positive. I don't want them like negative cash flowing. Talk to your tenants. We don't realize again, just about having a conversation. And that's what I did too. I'm like, listen, guys, the mortgage just doubled on this property. I would appreciate if you kept your eyes on the water consumption and like some couple of other expenses, like mm-hmm. if you can help with the landscaping instead of paying the landscaping guy to come, I would really appreciate that because that helps us cover costs. So on the bigger portfolio sides, they are doing much better. To be honest, the bigger stuff is doing much better than the smaller ones because we're able to, you know, increase the small amount to each unit. It makes a big difference on our NOI. We are refinancing everything as much as we can with the MLI Select to just give us cash in hand. Yeah. Uh, we're keeping healthy reserve funds on all of our buildings as well to make sure that we can account for any 
cash shortages or anything that may come up too. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. This week's podcast is brought to you by usproperties.ca. Are you looking to invest in turnkey U.S. real estate that provides exceptional cash flow and appreciation? If so, reach out to James at james at usproperties.ca or visit the company website usproperties.ca for more information. And now back to the show. Those are all some, some great points and, you know, and little tiny things, right, that somebody could be like, now can think, oh, I, I could get that shed placed on the backyard and start renting it or that extra parking spot or like talking to the tenants. I mean, like, again, like you've got to know who your tenants are in a sense, right? Like we we had a tenant in a single family. They were paying like 16 something. Anyways, they've been there for so long, like since 2014. And we gave them option, buy the house, we'll sell the house or we increase the rents. And now they're at 2250 and they wanted to do it. And again, legally, can you do it? No, I mean, but if you guys both agree and, you know, then ultimately that's what happened. And now we're cash flowing on that again. But yeah, like even just having those conversations and again, it won't happen every single time, but, you know, sometimes the tenants would prefer not to move or prefer to have you and them both win along the way. So there's always options, but yeah, definitely times are tough right now. I don't think anyone this, you know, in this current time is saying they're doing that much better than they used to last year. You know, it's just what it is, right? So we've got to just find ways, like you said, to maneuver a little bit and figure out where there is going to be some extra cash that can be had. And, and sometimes it means maybe selling some, you know, of your current portfolio to offset some of that. And so you have some cash reserves because I think there's going to be some opportunities that are going to come up as well. So it's that, you know, balance between, you know, still keeping what you have that makes sense, potentially offloading some stuff that's reached its maximum ability and, you know, being ready for, I think, an opportunity to start negotiating with, like, I mean, you, you've got three things under contract, it sounds like. So obviously people are willing to negotiate and we didn't have that a year ago, two years ago. Definitely a lot of opportunity knocking on our door, exciting ones too, like building, we put an, put an offer on about five months ago and just numbers were way too high. They were just, it was just ridiculously high. We said, no problem. Like, you know, feel free to reach, reach back out if you ever want to talk again. And they didn't. So, you know, there's definitely opportunities now, good time to buy. Although here's what I realized mathematically cash is low too. So this is why this is when you want to be liquid or what's from as liquid as I'd like it to be. But I'm focusing on that too. Like where do I get the resources from and the cash to be able to buy? This is a good opportunity if you can get in the market. You know, if you take action and get some of those buildings now, uh, you're going to be very happy, you know, five years, three, five years down the road for having you fired or during the buyer's market. Now, are you finding, because you're also raising capital, that it's getting harder to raise capital because people just a, may just not have the cash anymore or, you know, are just weary. So they're kind of just seeing what happens. What are you seeing from that piece? Because that's, I'm guessing, I'm just going to guess that it's going to be more challenging than it was before. Yeah, I definitely am finding that the cash is it's the whole point of forcing this recession is to dry cash from the market, right? So there is less cash available all around for lenders, but also for investors who one is a lot of people use their HELOCs mm -hmm. and it's just not making sense right now to use their HELOC or the returns have to be really substantial to free to be able to take that risk. Everybody's expenses went up, groceries went up and gas and like, 
you know, it took everything went up. So you are needing more of your cash to pay for your daily living, which makes it less readily available for investing. So definitely, I think for, I think potentially pivoting into, and this is where I've been looking more heavily into pivoting into being able to access register funds may make a difference at this time because register funds are register funds. They're just sitting there and you want investing something good. Um, and this may be a good opportunity for that. Yeah, that's awesome. Can't wait to hear about that. Before we wrap up, let's talk about your daughter and and how to get kids interested in real estate. So for those of you that don't know, you have a 10-year-old daughter and you have a son too, but your 10-year-old daughter presented and wanted to present at one of the real estate networking events and did amazing. And like at 10 years old, knows so much about real estate and is becoming passionate about it. How did that all happen? Yeah, I mean, and I want to give her a lot of credit because it's all her. I have a philosophy that the best way that I can parent is setting the example. I can talk their ears off and they're going to be like, no, I'm done, blah, blah, blah. I don't know what you're saying. Or I can just be and do. And then just, they just watch and see. I do work from home. They hear me on the phone all the time. They hear meetings. They know my partners. Like they're just there, right? Present and around everything that I do. I tell them we celebrate when we close on a building. Like I share pictures and things like that. So they know. One day I'm sitting on the kitchen island. I had just come off of a Zoom meeting with an investor. They meet this sitting beside me. She was eating or snacking or something. And she'd said, she asked me, she's like, what is this investing thing? And I very quickly just like, there's a building. We put funds into it. We pay you back your interest. And she said, so you're saying that I could invest with you? I'm like, yes. I, yeah, sure. You can become one of our investors. It's like, hold on. So you're saying that I could like give you money and you give me more money back and I can just be chilling in my room playing my video games? Yes, technically that is true. You need to make sure it's a good investment. But yeah, she's like, okay. I, and it was this massive revelation to her. She's like, okay, I'm going to go see how much money I have. And she goes into her drawer and goes through her um, birthday money. And she's like, I'm going to invest $100. I'm like, okay, that sounds good. And she's like, oh, I have more. How, how about 150 How much money will I make then? I obviously giving her like a really hefty interest yeah. rate so that she can like feel something that's, that's exciting awesome. for her. She asks, so she's a private lender. I had her sign like the contract. I printed it off. Nice. I explained it to her. Had her sign it. Every 15th of every month, she asks me by herself. Like, so how much money are you going to make this month? You made like $7.50. Amazing. Oh, that's so good. I want to reinvest. Okay, let's reinvest it for you. So she's hooked. She loves it. She's like, I can just make money. That's amazing. That is awesome. I mean, you're probably just like giving her that. It's better than allowance if you think about it. But it's a thought in her mind that she could do this and make money on her money, which most people don't. You know, I'm, I'm assuming she's not actually investing in, in the real estate per se, but like <laughs> the whole concept of her understanding at so at such a young age is amazing. I'll send her my quarterly report. And I'll, I'll, I treat her only as an investor. She's oh, that's awesome. Live, like, you know, because I want her to experience this is what it's like to actually, you know, invest. This is what it feels like. This is your responsibility. This is where it happens, you know. Right. So oh. definitely exciting. Oh, that's awesome. So the last thing I want to ask before we get into the lightning round is you talked about the other business that you have for real estate investors with staff. 
What What is that all about? Yeah, so uh, I go on a virtual agency. Uh, we offer fractional services to really any business, but we're so specialized in the real estate industry because that's what I do. That's my bread and butter. Uh, we offer services when it comes to marketing, lead generation, operations, and then finance and bookkeeping. So any really major area of a business that you need help with, when I started turning or changed my focus to being an investor, to being a business owner, I realized there was a lot of gaps that I needed to fill in when it came to processes, systems, and team members who was going to run all those systems that we build. And I, as I was building it and I was fulfilling what I needed to run Ace and be able to scale, I realized it's such a valuable service that everybody else needs as well. We're able to offer you fractional, qualified North American VAs that are going to just come into your business and help you get ready for scaling. Very cool. And now you're managing them basically on behalf of the investors or how does that logistically look like? Yeah. So they're your team member. What we do is you come in and you say, hey, I'm in need of an EA or just we'll go through a discovery call find out what are your immediate needs and what are the yeah. things that we can help you with. We then match you with a VA. We have like minimal hourly packages that you get from us. But she's your team member. She'll come in. She'll do an onboarding call with you. You guys set up your goals and plans for what that quarter looks like, what the month looks like, what the week looks like. Uh, you meet with your VA regularly, and it's up to you to decide how often we want her to work on. And then turn keys here to support. As an example, let's say you start working with your VA on a project, and she realizes she either doesn't have the skill set or the training or the resources to complete that project or carry it forward for you. She comes back to Turnkey and say, hey, I need help. We're doing this thing. I need to build a, a landing page or a marketing project or whatever it is that you're working on. We'll be able to support her with that. If it's training, it's bringing a second VA to help. Right now, I use different four different VAs on my team because they all have different like, expertise and specialty. I have one VA that's properties only. She does everything property related from acquisitions to overall management and oversight, insurance quotes, due diligence, uh, finance, refinances, communication with lenders and lawyers. She does all that work, which is... Mm -hmm. yeah. So I have an EA that does everything else. Email management, calendar management, communications, investors, quarterly report, any research, event management, travel management. She does all that for me and helps with that. I have a marketing VA. She does social media email campaigns, any other type of marketings that I need done for events or things like that. And then I have like a bookkeeper that does all of our bookkeeping and financial reports every month. That sounds awesome. So now are these Canadian VAs that live in Canada? Yes, they're all Canadian. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because I've, I've got a few VAs that in the Philippines. We are, we'll talk for sure. <laughs> we'll talk after this podcast. I think we were like looking for potentially a Canadian VA as well. That sounds interesting. So, okay, cool. Awesome. And if somebody wants to know more about that, do you have a website for it? We do. So find us at Turnkey Virtual Agency. We have Instagram as well as a website. So come and find us and book a discovery call. And I'd love to hop in, find out what your business needs and how we can help. I love it. Awesome. So the next part of the, the lightning rounds, I'm going to ask you five questions. Adriana, everybody gets the same five questions. And you're going to give me an answer in like 10 seconds or less. So you're ready to play. Welcome to your midterm tip of the week. 
This week we talk about why you should choose to stay in a midterm rental. A midterm rental is a fully furnished, quality assured property that you can rent when you are in need of a place to stay and your home is not available. You could be between moves, buying or selling your house. You could be between a divorce, moving to a new country, and you need a place while you look for a longer term stay. You could be between renovations and need a home to stay while your home is being improved. In all of these cases, the midterm rental property is the right choice because we are a one-stop shop where all of your communication, your needs, and your stay will be handled by our expert team. We have a white glove service that offers additional concierge services during your stay. For more information, please contact www.midtermrentalproperties.com. Let's go. All right. Question number one, what is your favorite real estate investing book? Investing book? Oh, I'm going to say Steve Arneo. Is that his name? Stephen Arneo? Stephen Arneo, yes. yes. The money people deal one? Okay. All right. Number two, it doesn't have to be real estate specific, but you have a favorite podcast. I've had many different ones over time. I'd say the one I listen to most right now is probably Lewis Howes. Okay. Awesome. And you have one of your own, I think, too, right? Yes. And the Adriano Speaker Podcast. Awesome. <laughs> and where can they find, where can listeners find out more if they want to listen to your podcast? Come on YouTube, Adriana on the Bigfoot Podcast. I tried different names and they were all taken. I tried Ace Properties Podcast and it was taken. So the Adriana on the Bigfoot Podcast. All right. Cool, YouTube. cool. Number three, what do you do for fun? For fun, I play pickleball. I dance bachata. Cool. Oh, that, sounds, that sounds different. <laughs> Something different. <laughs> Number four, if you lost everything tomorrow, your assets, your money, your real estate, how would you start again? Yeah, I'd start by dreaming. I'd start by writing down what would be the best possible dream lifestyle I could build and start from there. All right, very cool. And final question, if somebody has $50,000, they want to get started, they're not too sure how, what would you recommend? Yeah, I'd recommend partner with somebody that you're well aligned with. I think, you know, when you're first starting, if you can count upon a partner that has the experience and the same values and goals as you, that alone is invaluable. I would start there. All right. Awesome. Thanks for playing the lightning round. Where can my listeners reach out and find out more? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram, Facebook at Adriana Ostapenko. My email is hello at a-properties.com. Come find me there. Looking forward to chatting with some people. Okay. Awesome, Adriana. Thank you so much for being on the show. It was a pleasure having you on. Thank you, Sarah. Such a pleasure. I'm sure we'll be seeing you soon. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larvey. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.